This is an audio version of How to Make Tough Career Decisions by Benjamin Todd. Should I quit my job? Which of my offers should I take? Which long-term options should I explore? These decisions will affect how you spend years of your time, so the stakes are high. But they're also an area where you shouldn't expect your intuition to be a reliable guide. And that's a link to an article, Don't Go With Your Gut Instinct, also on the 80,000 Hours website. This means it's worth taking a more systematic approach. What might a good career decision process look like? A common approach is to make a pro and con list, but it's possible to do a lot better. Pro and con lists make it easy to put too much weight on an unimportant factor. More importantly, they don't encourage you to make use of the most powerful decision-making methods, which can greatly improve the quality of your decisions. To illustrate this, there's an image here. Should I drink bleach? Pros. Cheaper than food. Already have some. It's nice to try new things. Cons would kill me. In this article, we present a step-by-step process for making your next career decision, drawing on our impression of the most useful discoveries in decision-making research and our experience advising hundreds of people one-on-one. Career decisions usually involve a huge amount of uncertainty. If you sometimes feel stressed or anxious, this is normal. We can't make your next decision easy, but if you work through this process, we think you'll be more likely to avoid common mistakes and take the best next step you can. You can work through the article below or use a simplified version in our interactive tool in the article How to Choose a Career, also on the 80,000 Hours website. Note that this process is geared towards choosing between multiple specific options. Step 1. Clarify your decision. First, make sure you have a clear idea of exactly what decision you want to make. Are you choosing where to apply? between two specific offers, which medium-term options to focus on, or something else. When do you need to decide by? Step 2. Write out your most important priorities. Once you're clear about the next decision you need to make, write out your four to seven most important priorities in making the decision. When making decisions, people usually focus on too narrow a set of goals. Writing out your list of factors will help you stay focused on what most matters. We typically recommend that people focus on the factors in our framework which we think capture most of the key elements in high-impact careers. They include, here's a list of points. First, impact potential. How pressing is the problem and how large a contribution might the typical person in this career make in expectation? Next, personal fit. Compared to the typical person in this career over the long term, how productive do you expect to be? Next, personal satisfaction. How would this path satisfy other important personal priorities that aren't already covered? Next. Career capital. Does this option significantly accelerate you in a long-term path or otherwise open up better long-term options? Next, option value. If you pursue this option, how good are your backup plans? Finally, value of information. Might this path be an outstanding long-term option that you're uncertain about and can test out? That's end of that list. If working with a community, you might also consider, first, relative fit. How do your strengths compare to other community members focusing on these issues? This determines your comparative advantage. And second, community capital. Does this increase the influence of the community and its ability to coordinate? This list of factors needs to be adapted depending on the decision you're making. For instance, if you're thinking about your long-term options, then focus on impact, personal fit and satisfaction. If you're considering which job to take next year, then also consider value of information, career capital and option value. Also, try to make the factors more specific based on your situation. For example, what type of career is most valuable? 
What signals best predict impact in the areas you're focused on? What exactly are your priorities in personal satisfaction? On this point, it's important to try to be honest, even about your least noble motivations, or the path won't be sustainable. See a list of all the factors in our framework article, as well as our worksheet you can work through, and there are links to both of these here in the article. There are also some other filters to consider. Do a significant number of people think this option is likely to have a negative impact in a top problem area? If so, can you modify the option to avoid the risk? If not, eliminate it. And there's a link here to another article on the 80,000 Hours website with more information about causing accidental harm. Next, does this option pose a significant risk of a long-term negative impact on your happiness or career capital? If so, modify it or eliminate it. Step 3. Generate options. One of the most important mistakes when making career decisions is to consider too few options. Some research suggests that even just making sure you consider one extra option improves satisfaction with outcomes. You can generate options for long-term career paths by reading our high-impact career reviews at 80,000hours.org slash career hyphen reviews. If you're trying to generate options for your next step, rather than long-term career, then it's useful to take both a bottom-up and top-down approach to generating options. A top-down approach involves working back from the long-term options that seem most promising. For instance, which jobs, courses, or projects will best help you get into your top long-term options? Which options will best help you test out your long-term options? Check our career reviews for more information on how to enter the paths we highlight. A bottom-up approach involves starting from the specific opportunities in front of you right now and thinking about which seem most promising. It can often make sense to take a job if you're excited about it, even if you're not sure what you'll learn and it seems a bit random. It might help you learn about the best long-term paths or get interest in career capital. Here are some prompts for a bottom-up approach. Speak to your friends, those working on interesting problems and people you admire, and ask about what might be a good fit for you. Check out the jobs listed on our jobs board. That's at jobs.80,000hours.org. Do any of them seem interesting? What options might you be unusually good at? What options might help you learn the most? What open doors are available right now? These are interesting opportunities that you happen to have come across and might not be around in the future. Here are some more prompts for you to pick and choose whichever seem most useful to think about. Career capital. What's the most valuable career capital you have right now? What are your greatest strengths? How could these be applied to having an impact? Ideal world. What would you do if money were no object? What is your dream job? Combinations. Are there any ways your top options could be combined to get the best of all worlds? And elimination. If you couldn't do any of your top options, what would you do instead? Step 4. Rank your options. Now that you've got your options on the table, put them in a rough order according to how well they satisfy the factors you wrote down in step 2. Don't worry too much about accuracy. We just want to get a rough idea at this stage to make it easier to do the next couple of steps. Step 5. List your key uncertainties. Try to identify the information that is most likely to change your ranking. The questions people most commonly ask us are often not actually decision-relevant. Frequently, people focus on big-picture questions that are too hard to settle, so thinking about them is unlikely to change their ranking. It's also easy to get lost ruminating about the huge variety of issues that can be relevant. Try to focus on the questions that are the most relevant. Some useful questions to consider include How could you most easily rule out your top option? If you had to decide your career tomorrow for the rest of your life, what would you do today? What were you most uncertain about in making your ranking? Do any of those uncertainties seem easy to resolve? Some of the most common questions are things like Would I enjoy this job? 
Could I get this job? What skills are required to get this job? How pressing is this problem compared to other issues I could work on? How much influence would I really have in this position? Try to make the questions as specific as possible. Step 6. Go and investigate. Not every decision in life deserves serious research, but career decisions do. We often find people get stuck analysing their options, when it would be better to go and gather information or test out their options. For instance, we encountered an academic who wanted to take a year-long sabbatical, but weren't sure where to go. They'd thought about the decision for a while, but hadn't considered going to visit their top choice for a week, which would have likely made the decision a lot easier. When investigating your options, we find it useful to think of a ladder of tests that go in ascending order of cost and aim to settle the key uncertainties you've identified. We often encounter people considering taking drastic action like quitting their job before taking lower cost ways to learn more about what's best first. Here's an example of a ladder of tests. One, read our relevant career reviews and do some Google searches to learn the basics, about one or two hours. Two, the next most useful thing you can usually do is speak to someone in the area. The right person can give you more up-to-date and personalised information than what you'd be able to find written down. Two hours. Three, speak to three more people who work in the area and read one or two books. 20 hours. You could also consider speaking to a careers advisor who specialises in this area. During this, also find out the most effective way for you to enter the area, given your background. Bear in mind that when you're talking to these people, they're also informally interviewing you. And there's a link here with some advice from 80,000 Hours on preparing for interviews. 4. Now look for a project that might take one to four weeks of work, like applying to jobs, volunteering in a related role, or starting a blog on the policy area you wish to focus on. If you've done the previous step, you'll know what's best. 5. Only now consider taking on a 2-24 to month commitment, like a work placement, internship or graduate study. At this point, being offered a trial position with an organisation for a couple of months can actually be an advantage, because it means both parties will make an effort to quickly assess your fit. That's the end of that numbered list. One of the most useful steps that is often neglected is to simply apply to lots of jobs. We often find people wondering whether one path is better than another. When, if they'd applied, it would have been obvious which one to go for. If you're lucky, at some point in these investigations, your next step will become clear. If it doesn't, then you can keep going up the ladder of tests until you run out of time, or find that your best guess about which option is best is no longer changing. Technically, when the value of information is less than the cost of the test. One other rule of thumb is that the higher the stakes of the decision, the more time it's worth investigating. The aim is not confidence. You will likely always be uncertain about many aspects of your career. Instead, the aim is to find the best possible ranking using low-cost tests and basic research. Once you've done that, the most efficient way to learn more is probably to pick an option and try it out. Step 7. Make your final assessment. When you finish investigating, it's time to make a decision. Here are some more decision-making tips to help make your ranking more accurate. Approach number 1. Score your options. It can be useful to score your short list of options from 1 to 10 on each of the factors listed in Step 2. There's some evidence that making a structured decision like this can help improve accuracy. It can be useful to add all your scores together and see what ranks highest. Don't blindly use the score to determine your decision. It's mainly a means of probing your thinking. When it comes to assessing each factor, there are more tips on what to look for in our Career Framework article. Approach number 2. Upside-Downside Analysis Imagine an upside and downside scenario for your top options to get a sense of the full range of possibilities. 
This is a good way to avoid thinking narrowly, which is the norm, and which is especially misleading in the world of doing good, where often most of your impact comes from the small chance of an outsized success. A simple way to do this is to consider a success and failure scenario for each. A more complex option is to consider three scenarios. First, the upside scenario. What happens in a plausible best-case scenario? Be more precise. That could be the top 5% of outcomes. Second, the downside scenario. What happens in a plausible worst-case scenario? For example, the worst 5% of outcomes. And thirdly, the median. What's most likely to happen? In each scenario, consider how good or bad the option will be based on the factors you defined earlier in step two, impact, career capital, learning, and so on. One saving grace is that you often learn the most from failures, so the downside scenario is perhaps not as bad as it seems. If you weight each scenario by their probability, you can make a rough estimate of the expected value of the option. This will often be dominated by the value of the upside scenario. You may want to eliminate any options that have unusually large downsides. For instance, if you think pursuing an option might burn you out, bankrupt you, ruin your reputation, or holds another risk that could prevent you from making an impact in the future, it's probably best to eliminate it so that you can stay in the game and continue to have opportunities to contribute in the future. We talk more about Plan Z options in Step 8. It's also worth being very cautious about any course of action that might significantly set back your field, especially because these are easy to underestimate. If you're trying to decide which job to focus on for a couple of years, then a big part of your decision should be learning about what might be the best fit for you in the long term, value of information. This can mean it's best to focus on the path with the best upside scenario, rather than the best expected value, provided the downsides are similar. This is because if the upside scenario is realised, you can stick with it, and if it isn't, you can switch to something else. This asymmetry means it's rational to be somewhat optimistic. Approach number three, check your gut intuition. Once you've finished your assessments, take a break and re-rank your options. Once you've made a ranking, notice if your gut intuition feels uneasy about something. You can't simply go with your gut to make good career decisions, but you shouldn't ignore your gut either. Your intuition is good at aspects of the decision where you've had lots of opportunity to practice with relatively quick feedback, such as whether the other people involved are trustworthy. But your intuition is not good at assessing novel situations, which is what many career decisions are. If your gut feels uneasy, try to pinpoint why you're having that reaction, and whether it makes sense to go with your gut or not in this instance. The ideal of good decision-making is to combine intuitive and systematic methods, and use the best aspects of each. It's also a good idea to sleep on it. This may help you process the information. It also reduces the chance that you'll be unduly influenced by your mood at that moment. Approach number four. Use techniques to reduce bias. Here are some other techniques to help reduce bias in your thinking. Ask yourself why you're most likely to be wrong about your ranking. This is one of the most useful tips to reduce bias. Pre-mortem and pre-party. Imagine that you take an option, but two years later you've failed and regret the decision. What went wrong? Then imagine that instead the option was way better than you expected. What happened? This helps to expand your views about what's possible, which can tend to be too narrow. Change the frame. Imagine you've already made the decision. How do you feel? How do you expect to feel one year later? What about ten years later? What would you advise a friend to do? Ask other people. Having to justify your reasoning to someone else can quickly uncover holes. You can also ask people where they think you're most likely to be wrong. Approach number five. More advanced decision-making techniques. 
There is much more to say about how to make good decisions. For instance, often decisions come down to predictions, especially about your likely chances of success in an area and the expected impact of different interventions. To make better predictions, you can make base rate forecasts from many angles, combining them based on their predictive power. You should try to update on your evidence in a Bayesian way. You can break down the prediction into multiple components as a Fermi estimate. And you can try to improve your calibration through training. Audio note, there's a list of recommended articles and podcasts on these and other decision-making techniques in the article. Step 8. Make your best guess and then prepare to adapt. At some point, you'll need to make a decision. If you're lucky, one of your options will be clearly better than the others. Otherwise, the decision will be tough. Don't be too hard on yourself. The aim is to make the best choice you can given the evidence available. If you've been through the process above, then you have put yourself in a position to make a well-considered decision. Here are some further steps you can take to reduce downsides. Heading. Plan B. First, create a backup plan if your top choice doesn't work out. Consider first, why is your top option most likely to not work out? What will you do in this situation? List any promising nearby alternatives to plan A and call them your plan B. For instance, if you're already in a job and applying to a master's program, one possibility is that you don't get into the program you want. In that case, your plan B might be to stay in your job another year. For inspiration, we often cover nearby alternatives and exit options in quotes in our career reviews and problem profiles, each of which has a page that is linked here. Heading. Consider how to order your options. When doing the above exercise, you might realize it's much easier to switch from option X to Y than from Y to X. That is, that option X is more reversible than Y. For instance, after completing a PhD, everyone in academia agrees that if you leave, it's hard to re-enter. This is because getting a permanent academic position is very competitive, and any sign that you're not committed will rule you out, especially in certain subjects. This means that if you're unsure about continuing with academia after your PhD, it's often best to continue. If you haven't started a PhD and want to try something else, then it's best to do that before you start. It can sometimes be better to enter the more reversible option, even if you're less confident it's best. If you're right and it doesn't work out, you can go back to your top option later anyway. Ask yourself whether thinking about ordering should cause you to re-rank your options. Heading. Plan Z. You may face unforeseen setbacks, so it's also useful to figure out a plan Z. Here are some questions to help you do that. If you take your top option, what might the worst case scenario be? Many risks are not as bad as they first seem, but pay attention to anything that could permanently reduce your happiness or career capital. How can you reduce the chances of the worst case happening? It's difficult to give general advice, but there are often ways to mitigate the risks. If the worst case scenario does happen, what will you do to cope? Call this your plan Z. Some common options include taking a temporary job to pay the bills, moving back in with your parents, or living off savings. What makes most sense will again depend a lot on your situation. Is your plan Z tolerable? If not, then you should probably modify your plan A to build more career capital so that you're in a better position to take risks. For example, take a job that lets you save more money. If it is, great. Hopefully this exercise will make it easier to commit to your plan A. Heading. Set a review point. A final point to bear in mind is that your next career step is probably only a commitment for one to four years. Building a career is a step-by-step -step process, not a one-off decision. And if you plan ahead to that next revision point, 
you'll be better able to focus on your top option in the meantime, as well as be more prepared when it arrives. Here are some extra steps to consider. 1. Schedule in a time to review your career in six months or a year. We made a career review tool linked here to make it easier. 2. Set check-in points. Make a list of signs that would tell you you're on the wrong path and commit to reassessing if those occur. For example, publishing lots of papers in top journals is key to success in academic careers. So you could commit to reassessing the academic path if you don't publish at least one paper in a top journal before the end of your PhD. Step 9. Take action. Once your plan is set, it's time to focus on execution. How to execute is not the main focus of this article, but here are some further resources. First, translate your plan into very concrete next steps. Write out what you're going to do and when you'll do it. Setting implementation intentions, in quotes, makes it significantly more likely you'll follow through. To get more ideas on how to increase your chances of success in a path, first, check out our relevant career reviews linked here, which sometimes have a section on how to succeed in a path. Read our review of how to become happier and more productive in any job, also linked here, including how to network. And last, read our summary of advice on how to get a job, also linked here. One of the most useful steps you can take is to team up with others who want to have an impact. There are many great communities out there, often focused around specific problems. Your first step should probably be to try to meet people in the communities most relevant to you. We also help to found the Effective Altruism Community, which is a group of people who use evidence and reason to work out the best ways to have a positive impact. This community is not for everyone, but through it, we've met some of the most impressive people we know. Find out more about how to get involved at a link here in the article. This is an audio version of How to Make Tough Career Decisions by Benjamin Todd. This reading was by Perrin Walker for Type 3 Audio.